Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Good Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the porch. It is of all quest baseball podcast. I am your host, Eric Kane. We'll have the guy you're coming on here to see here in a moment, Luke Lipsius, former Tennessee first baseman. Here in about 15 minutes or so, um, every single Thursday here, Tennessee baseball, regular season on the playoffs. We do a, a weekly podcast. We call it the porch and it's presented by our friends over at Spivey King and Spivey LLP, Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, Richard A. Spivey, uh, problem, let them find a solution for you. TN trial lawyers, they specialize in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury. You get a free consultation by picking up the phone and dialing 423-245-4185. And you can also always visit them online at spivykingandspivylop.com. Awesome, awesome guys, big Tennessee fans, and uh, they can help you. So seriously, if you ever have a need, keep my friends, Spivey King and Spivey LLP in mind. All right, we got a fun show coming up here today. We got loads to talk about before we even get welcome on Luke Lipsius. Going to talk to Luke about uh, Blake Burke, a much better week for him at first base and at the plate. Some of these injuries in the pitching rotation and some of this outfield um, competition. A lot of that I'm going to talk about here while also getting into uh, a Bowling Green preview as well. But, I mean, we're off and running. You know, Tennessee baseball is here. Uh, opening weekend in Arlington, Texas at Globe Life Park for the Shriners College Showdown. And, and Tennessee beat Texas Tech, a nationally ranked matchup. 
Tennessee lost in extra innings to Oklahoma. And since then, Tennessee hadn't lost. Took care of business against Baylor. Came back a pair of midweeks against UNC Asheville and ETSU. Swept Albany. Took care of High Point on Tuesday. And a couple of these matchups, in particular UNC Asheville on Tuesday. Albany, that first game, I think Tennessee ended up winning like 8-2. to two, But should have been much worse. Um, and, um, and then, of course, Tuesday night against High Point. A little closer, too close for comfort at times. But I encourage you guys, look around the nation. You know, Florida's lost a couple of games that it shouldn't have lost. You know, Arkansas's had a hiccup here and there. I mean, there are teams, uh, good baseball programs around the country that are losing some early season games. And specifically in the midweek, where midweek baseball is not real baseball. <laughs> um, now, on Tuesday, Tennessee threw its horses, you know. Um, you had uh, Nate Snead that came on and pitched. Chris Stombos came on and pitched. And, um, you know, sometimes you'll have that. But... Typically, it's it's a bullpen game. You're trying to get guys in, trying to get guys work. Your starter's not going to go very long, and and so you know, keep in mind that if there's ever a um, a really close, tight midweek game, it's not the end of the world. Plus, you're still winning those games, which is good. Also, I feel like having those types of games early on is going to help you because you're going to have those games in SEC play. You're going to have those games in the postseason. How are you going to respond? How are you going to play? In those types of environment, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned, especially if they get feisty, like on Tuesday night with Tennessee and High Point chirping at each other. You know, Tennessee running down to the uh, to the foul to the foul pole there in right field in between the fourth and the bottom of the fourth and the fifth inning, and you got guys chirping at one another. And then Billy Amick hits that home run for some insurance later on in the game, and you got Simo and Blake Burke out there chirping. A lot of times you don't want to see that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's nice to, to, to have a little feisty, you know, win like that early in the season, because a lot of these games are non-competitive. We'll see what's in store for this weekend for Bowling Green here in a moment. But first let's touch base on that starting rotation. Um, at the time of this recording, Tony Vitello has not announced his plans for the starting rotation. He did, however, on Tuesday, um, insinuate that AJ Russell was not going to pitch. Uh, he went on a, a radio show on Monday, Fox Sports Radio here, a local, local affiliate here in Knoxville and, uh, pretty much insinuated that A.J. Russell was not going to pitch. So um, A.J. Russell is not going to pitch this weekend. <laughs> and he did say that Drew Beam is going to pitch on Saturday. But that's really all he'd say. If you read between the lines in his postgame media appearance Tuesday night after High Point, when talking about the Friday night starter, he wouldn't give a starter, but he talked about A.J. Causey for a little while. And he's like, I don't know what role it's going to be, but he'll pitch multiple innings, he'll pitch a long time, and he'll pitch he'll pitch on Friday night. Um, sources tell me that it's it's going to be AJ Causey getting the start on Friday night. Uh, again, at the time of this recording, it's not official. Things can always change. I'll have to I'll have something official in, in the war room for sure, and of course on the weekend preview. But believe it's going to be AJ Causey getting the start on Friday night. And remember, there's no need to change everything up right now because one of your starters is going to miss a start or two. Okay, um, you're playing Bowling Green. Last week you played Albany. Next week, you're playing Illinois. It's a Power 5 opponent. I, I recognize that. But none of this matters like it's going to matter March 15th in Tuscaloosa. Okay? So for a guy that has been pitching on Fridays, multiple innings coming out of the bullpen, you're going to keep him there in A.J. Cause He's going to pitch multiple innings on Friday. You're just going to move him up. He's going to start a game. He was the Friday night starter for Jacksonville State last year. This is not un unknown for him. In fact, he's probably the most well-equipped to be the third starter on this baseball team, but I've said it before, I'll continue to stay it. Tennessee is not nearly as dynamic. Tennessee is not nearly as scary, intimidating, with Nate Sneed and or A.J. Causey starting a baseball game. Having both of those horses in the bullpen to come in, 
That's dynamic, and that's how good teams make it to Omaha. Um, look last year, Chase Burns, Seth Halverson, Cannon Sewell, Aaron Combs, Kirby. I mean, you got a lot of different looks back there. That's what makes good teams great. And for Tennessee to be at its best, it needs to keep those guys in the bullpen. That does not mean that A.J. Cozzi can't step up and start a game against Bowling Green. That Nate Snead down the line can't throw in and, and maybe start a third game of the series against, I don't know, Auburn or whatever the case is. It's good to have that on your staff. But for Tennessee to be where they want to be, those two guys need to stay in the bullpen, in my opinion, as well as Chris Namos. It is still my opinion that Matthew Dallas and or Derek Schaefer will step up and take the third third starter role at some point. Um, you know, Derek Schaefer could also be a guy that can pitch a little Friday because he just pitched an inning on Sunday, didn't pitch at all on Tuesday. Matthew Dallas got roughed up a bit against High Point. Walks were out of control. He he lost complete control in the third inning when he went two and two-thirds, couldn't get out of the third inning. But uh, home plate umpire was so bad in that game. But no excuses. He, he, he did lose control in that third inning. So... Um, He's still going to be good. He reminds me, and I'm sure a lot of you guys, very much of Garrett Crochet when he got to Tennessee. He was much more highly, you know, popular in terms of the recruiting process than, than Crochet was. But you know, long, lengthy left side. He'll put on some weight next year, just like AJ Russell, you know, did from freshman to sophomore year. He's going to be really good. Um, I think it's sooner or later a freshman will take over that third starter role. But I would assume that Xander's going to start there this weekend. Um, I, I, I don't see a situation where Xander's pitching on Friday or Saturday, in my opinion. Maybe. I mean, maybe that changes, but um, I, especially with they've thrown him, what, two innings in both of his starts so far, I think Xander will be your starter on Sunday. But, again, that is all very much TBD. I'm expecting A.J. Causey on Friday, of course, Drew Beam on Saturday, and I would expect Xander Seacrest to get the ball first on Sunday. So we'll see what it looks like. Um, as far as J.J. Russell, again, after the injury, they're just being super – uh, super, super slow, being cautious. It's February. Tony Vitello described the injury as soreness in the side, kind of stretching up to his armpit. Um, you know, heard thing, heard all last weekend that, you know, it's 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 nothing major, but they're just going to be careful, and, and that's the smart play. Um, so that's good. Tennessee needs A.J. Russell back and ready to roll for SEC play. He's not going to pitch this weekend. If he doesn't pitch next weekend, don't freak out. Again, you need him for Alabama. And even against Alabama, he probably won't go six or seven innings, but he'll continue to build back up. Um, Chris Stamos, you know, talking with some people late Tuesday night and on Wednesday. Again, a little, little soreness in the forearm, it sounds like. I, I need to continue to get an update here on a Thursday on into Friday to see how he is and what his availability is. But don't think it's anything major at this time, a little soreness, but um, – We'll continue to check on that. A lot of soreness for, and again, I, Sam asked me this on the mailbag podcast earlier this week. I, I can't speak to, you know, I, I'm not a trainer specifically when it comes to pitching in the sport of baseball. <laughs> I can't comment on that. I just, I don't know, but there does seem to be a lot of soreness here <laughs> lately. And that's part of the game. I recognize that, uh, but you want to get those guys back and, and as quick as possible. But again, just being, being cautious. They were, um, Tony even said that they were going to go get Chris Thomas anyway. And so they just went ahead and made the move then. Uh, Dean Curley sounds like he's going to be okay. I would expect Dean Curley to play you know, this weekend for sure. And what, what an opening week he had. Uh, four straight starts at shortstop. Look, arm is strong, deep in the hole at short. He's turned, I believe, he's been one half of four double plays. Double plays already turned between he and Simo in the middle infield. He's looked good, and he's hit a couple of three-run home runs. So um, if he gets back and continues to swing the bat the way he is and playing the defense the way he is, 
man, when Ariel Antigua comes back, it's it's gonna be slim pickings. And it's tough. I checked on him. Still a couple weeks away, close to the SEC play. The cast is off, has a thumb injury, cast is off, has more of a wrap. He's he's fielding a little bit right now, not swinging a bat yet, but um, he was probably going to be the opening day shortstop, or at least he was the leader in the clubhouse coming out of fall. Um, but, I mean, the way Dean, Dean Curley is playing right now, is it's kind of hard to move him. Most intriguing question I have right now is the outfield, and I'm sure that is you know for, for y'all as well. Um, the ability for Kavar's tears to play center field, Robin and left, and, and Dalton Bargo and right, I think it's awesome. Now, if Cal Stark is catching that game, then Cannon Peebles needs to be your DH. But if Cannon Peebles is catching... One of those dudes need to be DHing that way you can put Inslee out there to make it a better, a better defensive outfield, in my opinion. But Tears' ability to play center field allows Tennessee to put more pop in the order. Having Robin Villanueva and Dalton Bargo in that same order. And, and those two guys crushed it last week against Albany. Robin crushed it against High Point. Kavaris Tears is unloading on pitching right now. It's great to see. Happy for a guy like Kavaris Tears, who struggled with injuries last year and and really didn't have a spot, even though he might have deserved one. And and then when he did get opportunities, he kept getting hurt. You you love that story. It does give me a little pause though, playing in playing in Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Whereas if you go on the road, can that defensive outfield hold up? Remember last year, first series at uh, at Missouri, and those guys just looked, whoo, looked really bad in the outfield. I mean, again, everybody has bad weekends. And I'm not saying these guys can't play defense in a bigger outfield, but Lindsey Nelson Stadium is a little bit smaller, and that plays plays into you know an outfield filled with with bigger guys and maybe non traditional outfielders. Robin and Dalton Bargo are both non traditional outfielders. They're first baseman, they're corner, the corner infield. Bargo's a catcher. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a transition. But I like that look. I really like that look because, again, it allows Tennessee to get more bats in the order and be more dangerous. Hunter Inslee started the season off hitting leadoff, and he had a couple hits against uh, Texas Tech and Oklahoma, and then he went 3-for-23 in the leadoff spot. He didn't start the last two games against uh, Albany, and he did get back in the lineup, but he was hitting towards the bottom of the order against High Point. And, and he's been struggling, and you hate to see that because Hunter Inslee's playing good defense. Hunter Inslee is one of your best hitters in SEC play. You don't believe me? Go look at the stats, utsports.com. Uh, Hunter Inslee is one of the best hitters in SEC play for Tennessee last year. I'm not giving up on Hunter Inslee. I like that right-handed bat, and I love his, I love his above-average defense in center field. But when he's struggling, it does give Tony Vitello the opportunity to play Robin and Bargo and Tears out there. I mean, it, it really, really does. Um Really, really like that look, and I'm intrigued to see kind of how it it, it fizzles out and, and kind of looks as um, as as the non-conference slate goes on. And, and again, that's an option for them down the line in SEC play as well. Tennessee baseball doing exactly what you think it's going to do right now in non-conference play. It's taking names, taking care of business. Um, you know, I, I think uh, Tears is swinging the bat really well. Billy Amick is crushing the baseball right now. Christian Moore is still the team's best hitter right now, um, team's best player right now. He gives you options, and I think Simo is going to be your leadoff hitter. He's been there each of the past five games, I believe, and um, you know, right now it just kind of makes the most sense. But they're still evaluating some options. Uh, Cannon Peebles finally swinging the bat a little bit, and that's good because he got off to a he came into the season on fire. Again, you guys remember I covered the pizza series that inter squad scrimmage uh, scrimmage series the weekend before opening weekend, and 
He had three by, by the second inning of game two, he had three home runs. <laughs> like he came into the season on fire and then he just couldn't find green grass or turf um, to begin the season, but he's swinging the bat really well. And I, I, that's, that's good. Um, versatility, seeing Alex Perry out there playing some third, playing some second, playing some shortstop. Tony Vitello said that Alex Perry had the best swing of anybody in the ball game on Tuesday night. Again, having depth options and, and, and people you can throw out there. I think that's what winning teams are all about. All right, let's give a look at Bowling Green real quick before we get Luke Lipsius on the podcast. Going to ask him a lot of these questions and get his take because he's been there and he has done that. End of the day, the conversation starts and ends with a right-handed pitcher and two-way player, DJ Newman. DJ Newman is the Friday night starter uh, for Bowling Green. He is one-on-one on the season, a 360 ERA. His last time out... He went seven scoreless where he gave up two hits, one walk, 11 strikeouts against the Memphis Tigers. DJ Newman is that dude. And, oh, yeah, he leads off. He's the club's, he's the, uh, club's DH. He leads off, leading the team with a 423 batting average right now. Um, tied for the team leading home runs with two. He's driven in six runs, stolen four bags. DJ Newman's the real deal. He was the Mac pitcher of the week last week for his efforts against Memphis. And uh, we're going to see a lot of DJ Newman from the right side on the mound and in the batter's box this weekend for Tennessee and Bowling Green. Uh, quickly, before I get into the rest of the uh, the rotation there, Bowling Green, this will only be their seventh game of the season. They're taking a volunteer state swing to begin the year. Remember, these teams up north typically come down south, play a lot of games before going back home because it's so cold and muggy and wet. You got Bowling Green that started in MTSU, played a weekend series over opening weekend, played a weekend series last weekend in Memphis, and now they're here at Tennessee. They are 2-4 and four on the season. Preseason picked to finish 8th in the Mid-American Conference, coming off a 20-30 and 30 record in 2023 with a 13-17 and 17 mark in conference play. Also, real quick, um, if you didn't see it yesterday, the uh, uh, start times for this series changed a little bit. Friday night, instead of starting at 6.30, you're going to start at 4.30. On Saturday, instead of starting at 6, you're going to start at 5. And then on Sunday, it's still 1 o'clock. So a uh, little disclaimer there. So I told you about DJ Newman. On Saturday, <coughs> at least the first two weekends, they start, they've stayed with the same weekend rotation. Um, looks like it's going to be lefty Nick Good. Nick Good does not own a record on the season so far, but that ERA is inflated at 8.59. He's just pitched seven innings and a third. Um, he's walked three, struck out five. He's allowed seven earned runs, so he's been hit up a little bit. On Sunday, Calvin Mitchell, he's a righty. Um, one-on-one record, 432 ERA, eight innings and a third so far this year. Struck out six. He's walked two. He's allowed four earned runs, six total on the year. So it sounds like Friday and Sunday they've been getting really good performances on the mound, but that uh, that, that middle day on Saturday with Nick Good, it's, it's not been as great. Bullpen so far has not been fantastic. Landon Will- Willie Man, I guess that's how you say it. He's pitched the most out of the bullpen so far. Two appearances, he logged five innings. Um, he's allowed three runs off four hits. Lefty Rigo Ramon, or Ramos, excuse me, Rigo Ramos. He's tossed three innings out of the bullpen, but he got hit up against the Tigers. He, he's allowed 11 hits, uh, seven runs in the brief, brief work, three innings out of the bullpen. Also, Luke Krause, Jacob Turner are some guys to pay attention to out of that bullpen for Bowling Green. All right, let's get a quick look at the lineup. Told you about Newman on the mound. DJ Newman, he's the club's designated hitter. 423 at the plate, two home runs, six RBI, stolen four bags. Um, he, he He's a real deal. He's collected 11 hits, scored nine runs, and he hits leadoff. So again, DJ Newman 
is the guy to pay attention to. Center fielder, MLB draft prospect Nathan Archer. Slow start to the season, but he has 10 RBIs on the year. So he's leading the team and runs batted in, but only hitting 222 at the plate. Uh, he played really well in the Cape Cod League this past summer, and um, he's an MLB draft prospect. So um, sooner or later, that average will come up. But Nathan Archer, who's the cleanup hitter, slow start of the season so far, but a name that can break out for sure. So watch out for Nathan Archer. Uh, third baseman, Leighton Banjoff, uh, hitting in the bottom third of the order, seventh or eighth, hitting 375, couple home runs, six runs driven in. He's looked good so far. Left fielder, Jack Cross. Um, he hits towards the the back end of the heart of the order, kind of five six somewhere around there. He's hitting three thirty on the year, home run, three RBI. Got a shortstop in Sam Sedell, who hits second in the order, sometimes third. T, uh, TJ Tockets, um, he he hits uh, second or third in the order as well. He's a fellow outfielder, former Division two from Ohio Dominican utility player David Silva as well. Expected to have a role on this team, but he hadn't played so far, so there might be an injury there. Bottom line, Tennessee should handle Bowling Green. Tennessee Tennessee should work out its kinks in the starting rotation. Ample opportunities, but Tennessee should really tee off against this Bowling Green pitching, and uh, I'm excited to see kind of how it performs in that regard. All right, that is enough of me. Let's get into the reason you guys are here. Luke Lipsius, former Tennessee first baseman. He joins the show to talk about what he's seen so far from Tennessee baseball and to look ahead to the Bowling Green Falcons. That is coming up next right here on the porch. But first, I do want to tell you about our friends over at Spivey, King and Spivey, LLP. Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, Richard A. Spivey, you got a problem, let them find a solution for you. That is T and Trial Lawyers. They specialize in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury, um, examples of which could be DUI, homicide assault, uh, divorce, custody, alimony, parental rights, personal injuries such as car wrecks, or just simple accidents. They've got 80 years of combined experience. Spivey King and Spivey LLP provide representation throughout the state and federal courts of Northeast Tennessee. The firm has got a vast amount of trial experience. The practice has been in place for 43 years with this specific partnership since 2012. They got partners who were energized for today's modern legal demands. Primarily practicing in Northeast Tennessee, the Tri-Cities of Sullivan County, um, Hawkins County, Washington County, and surrounding areas. They've won multiple awards and they got attorneys who are rated by super lawyers in the Mid-South with, with real trial experience. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, need a divorce, help with custody of your children, or you've been accused of a crime, Spivey King and Spivey LLP, they can help you. Go see them in person at 142 Cherokee Street, Kingsport, Tennessee. Pick up the phone and dial 423-245-4185 for a free consultation. That is 423-245-4185 for a free consultation or visit them online at SpiveyKingAndSpiveyLLP.com. Again, you got a problem, let them find a solution for you. T and Trial Lawyers, my friends, Spivey King and Spivey, LLP. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Luke. So you were in town last weekend. You saw a huge Tennessee win. I think it was the game where they won twenty-six to five, or whatever it was. Uh, what did you What did you see out of Tennessee, and how good was it to be back home for a Tennessee baseball game? Yeah, well, you know what? They, they played an Albany team who, for not having played a game this season, they came out swinging. They weren't afraid of Russell, who you know was probably going to be a potential for, uh, first rounder next year. Um, and they they battled hard. The only place where you really see them get into trouble is all the walks. Um, you got a game on Friday night where um, we win a relatively close one for the team we're playing, and they walked. I don't know two or three people. Then you get the games like Saturday and Sunday, and you know they're they're bringing it up to you know eight ten walks and you see what happens when you walk people and you also see what happens when you got a guy robin villanueva who can just absolutely mash balls and not only that but when there's runners on base you know he's he had a a bases clearing double i think of that saturday game we see it in the midweek again another uh two run double so this guy in half the ab's has one of the is one of the tops for for rbis on the team which is what you want to what you want to see you know Um, The most successful hitters are those that create the most runs. How do you do that? You either touch home plate or you make other people touch home plate. So he's doing a great job at that. Um, Tears is on absolute fire. He is, you know, one of the best hitters on our team, if not close in the SEC right now. Um, You got A. McToos, who's just doing his thing. Um, Another couple balls barreled pretty hard. Um, Yeah, I I thought it was a really good weekend pitching was real strong too. Um, we'll see what happens with Russell and, and whatever was going on with his oblique. I hope he's okay. Um, but you know what? If you're going to have a slight injury, now is the time to do it because it'll give you time to prep for SEC. Um, again, that whole uh, trio now of um, Russell, um, Stamos, and Causey on Friday night, you see it worked well. I think that plays into um, V real well, you know, righty, lefty, righty. Um, real good uh, Saturday. Again, you see a, a really good performance out of Beam. Um, and then, you know, the, the cleanup crew after we're already up, you know, 15. Um, you know, J.J. Garcia gave up a few runs, but he threw strikes, which in that in that scenario, that's all you can ask for, especially of a freshman. Uh, I thought Xander looked a lot better, you know, that whole performance um, with the, the whole – everyone who pitched on Sunday – I think we kept him to one hit. So, you know, it's you can see as the weekend went on, we, we basically got better, you know, after the offensive outburst on Saturday. Bring it into Tuesday. Um, you got a guy, um, whoever started that game, the lefty, I can't remember what his name is. But either way, looked all right. Everyone looked all right. I would love to see Snead fall into a late-inning role on the weekends. You got him for late relief. Um, throwing him two on a midweek is – Fine. I think we'll probably see him come in on Saturday then. You get him a couple of innings. Um, and uh, what I saw out of that guy is just electricity. You know, you got you got people in past teams like Joyce who were touching hundreds, whatever. This guy is going to be the new neck breaker, I like to call it. You know, everyone in the stands <laughs> turns to look at the, the scoreboard. But, you know, it, it, those four games, great. It was awesome to be back. Um, saw another giant win when I'm in town. So, I mean, yeah, maybe I'll just, like, make road trips more often or something. <laughs> Yeah, sounds like you need to. That's a good point, Um, and I I thought about it the other night whenever I was there watching on Tuesday. You know, Nate Snead, he's been a Sunday guy so far through the two weeks. Mm -hmm. He not only, like, pitched, but, I mean, he he went two innings and a third, two and Mm two-thirds or whatever, hit 100 a couple times. I mean, he threw about 45 pitches, I think, without going and looking on Tuesday night. 
kind of interesting. Like he's definitely not going to pitch on Friday. You would think maybe Saturday, but Sunday for sure. Like I, I'm surprised they threw him that much because I mean, to your point, he is a back end, or not only a back end of the bullpen guy, but he's a guy that can stretch out. He he's a weekend guy that throws about forty or fifty pitches every time. One hundred percent, and that's one thing that I was thinking the same thing when I saw it is what the midweeks are for, like. You, you usually get guys that didn't throw in um, in the weekend reps or, you know, you pre- prepare your bullpen guys for the next week. So you see them going one inning, you know, keep them loose. But going two and a third, you know, I, I don't know what his plan is. Um, I know they want him during the weekends because who wouldn't? Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll just see what they plan on doing. We'll definitely have him for Sunday. I would expect him to come in on, on Saturday if, if they need him. Um, but another person I forgot to mention, Kirby Connell making his return and going more than a batter uh, for once, I feel like, since, uh, since two years ago. You know, he went a, a really strong inning in the third or whatever it was on Tuesday. So it's it's good to have him back. Yeah, yeah, so far. And his glove has been, like, the MVP of the team so far. You know, Xander had to wear it for a couple innings. Stalmos wore it when they turned a triple play. Um, so, like, I, there's a story there with that glove. Hopefully I'll ride it at some point. Um, I want to ask you about, you touched base on this a moment ago, but kind of Robin – Dalton Bargo got in the outfield a little mm-hmm. bit last year. Those are or last weekend. Those are two guys that are not natural outfielders, um, but it allows Tennessee to have a more explosive lineup batting order. Um, what do you like? What did you see from those two guys in the corner outfield? And, and then Tears playing center. Not only is he doing it at the plate, but Tears showing the ability that he can play center field too. I think it's not going to be an everyday lineup but it's an option and something Tennessee can definitely roll out you know and have confidence doing it yeah you know um like you said having those two guys bring the bats if you hit you're gonna get in the lineup that's just the way baseball works you know people always say I'll play defense which yes is true to a point if you hit like they do you're gonna get in and that's exactly what we saw um you know they'll they'll play a serviceable outfield I think Villanueva made a made a couple plays um but again, they're there to be in the lineup. Left field is one of those places where if you're good, then you're really good. But otherwise, you can definitely be serviceable out there. Um, so they're they're going to expect solid D. Of course, you know the way V trains them is they're going to be good out there. So I don't have um, any trouble seeing them out there. And then KT in center, you know he's he's a big guy, but he's got that sneaky speed, and then he he's just that cannon of an arm. Absolutely love it. He almost threw a guy out last night which is awesome. But yeah, he's, I think the way that Ensley is hitting right now, they might see him in center more often, at least get him as many reps as they can there. Cause then it also opens you up, you know, to have a, a KT Villanueva dryling lineup, uh, Bargo in there with, as a DH, you know? Um, so like you said, it's just, it's options everywhere around the field. I like KT's making plays too. Um, that's the thing. Every, everyone can play any position. It's great for competition. Um, and it's just great for, you know, Tony to have something up in his back pocket up his sleeve. Um, I thought Bargo did great. <laughs> he, he, so on those days when you got that crosswind like there was on Saturday, you want to do exactly what Bargo did. And that is get it to left field and get it up in the air because that ball <laughs> will carry. Um, but, yeah, and then and on defense, I'd, I have no problem with with how we're doing things right now. Yeah, and I keep talking about the outfield. I mean, Dylan Drowland, like, of course he's out there. I mean, he he one of those games he DH so they can get those guys in the outfield. And the other one, mm-hmm. I think maybe maybe Bargo DH'd and and or no, Villanova was out there. Drowland was in right. Anyway, Dylan Drowland's having a good start of the season. Made a couple nice diving catches. Had one mm-hmm. last or on Tuesday as well. Um, <laughs> want to ask you about Blake Burke. 
it was kind of a lot of the same opening weekend, but since coming back, he, and I understand less competition, but he's seeing the ball a lot better. He's walking a ton. He walked a couple mm-hmm. of times on Tuesday. He walked three times on Sunday. <laughs> he's hitting doubles. He's hitting for average. He looks like he's he's more confident out there, especially in the plate where he was struggling, uh, you know, opening weekend. One hundred percent. You you got a guy who's starting to settle in. Um, a great way, one of the easiest ways to get out of a slump, just start walking. You know, you'll that means you're going to be put in the lineup. You're going to build confidence. Say, hey, I'm seeing the ball well. And then when you get pitches to hit, you're going to turn him around. You know, he hit his first homer, which is great. Get that one out of the way, and then things can just start snowballing. Um, like you said, he was he was barreling more pitches. He just looked overall more comfortable. So as the season progresses, I think we should see him settle in even further. And, you know, instead of uh, he's been hooking a lot of balls to right field with power, of course, we'll see him start spreading it, you know, using those gaps um, and, and being the hitter that he that he everyone knows that he can be. Let's go back to tears for a second. When when he got to campus, did you did you see him in person? Did you talk to him on, on Saturday? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I talked to him a little bit. Okay, so you, you you saw him with your eyes. How different? I mean, he, he told me he's dropped 30 pounds. Like, mm-hmm. how different does his body look from when he got to campus? So it's so funny with him because he's always been like a, a big boned individual, I guess you could say. Like, he came in and he was not small by any means. Um, but, of course, a lot of it is baby weight. And, you know, he's yeah. he's got this swing where he's got this giant leg kick and, and arms are flailing. You can tell that. You know, literally under under the the skin, there is a lot of potential there. So you see him working hard. Um, last year, he's, he's dropping weight, he's looking better. But then this year, he comes back and he's he's an absolute specimen. This guy turned all of his baby weight into um, like monster meat. We'll call it. he's just straight, you know, jacked. <laughs> um, and and he's cut down his swing a little bit. Um, everything. So that guy has done exactly what he needs to do in the off season to get to where he is, and it's just it's paying off for him. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, the other day, like when he did post game media, that was as close as I've been to him in a while. Like he, he looks tiny. I mean, he looks like he's in shape. Don't get me wrong. I'm not mm-hmm. saying he's weak. I mean, like just like not that he was like fat or anything, but man, like he looks really small right it's, now. It's that baby weight. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, Christian Moore, man, he's um he, he's hitting leadoff right now, and I think that's probably Tennessee's best option because you know really Tennessee hadn't had a true leadoff hitter in a couple. I mean, since you guys have been there. Um, but he's in leadoff right now. He, he's just he, he he's scoring out the gates. It, it looks like he's a really good baseball player. He can t- he's a double machine. What do you like about Simo the way he's playing right now? He's playing good defense as well, but also kind of out of the leadoff spot. It, it, it's never a horrible thing to have your best hitter hitting leadoff because he's going to get the most abs. Yeah, so that's that's the one side. You love him at leadoff because not only does he get hits, but he's fast. So Andy knows how to run the bases. He knows the game. Um, it, it sucks that you can't <clears throat> put him in a more power role, you know, like like the three-hole. Um, you know, but I, I like him there. He's going to get on. Um, Burke's going to be hitting with people on all the time, so he's going to free him up. Um, and then, of course, it's fine when you got bruisers on the, in the back end, you know, when I aim at KT. And now you got Bargo, uh, Dryling, and Villanueva, all those guys that that can, you know, help that order out. I think that that's why V is making the decision to put CMO on the board. Because also, in that first inning, you see, um, that's one thing that we had been missing the first half of the season. We I don't think we ever scored in the first inning bes- until it was like Saturday or whatever it was. Yeah. Now we're scoring on the first inning. You got CMO is leading it off. Um, he's getting on base and people are driving him in. So it's it's a really dynamic offense with him at the top. 
especially because that pitcher, you know, out the gate has to worry about Tennessee's one of Tennessee's best hitters. Um, and then I just want to mention his defense. Like that guy looks close to a gold glover in the field. He is just making plays all around the yard and he looks comfortable doing it. So uh, nothing but praise for SEMA right now. How far along has his defense come since the first day you saw him on campus? So he's always been athletic and he's always had that good glove, but like I've never seen him play so relaxed. So like you got like guys who are really good at defense, you know, like the, the Ricky Martinez's of the bunch, they make plays look way too easy. Yeah. And that's where Simo's at. I'm not saying he's as good as Ricky because that's really hard to do. But <laughs> as far as trusting a guy in the field and not just to play second, but to play, you know, short if needed or wherever, um, a guy like Simo is, is great to have. because You can know you're going to make he's going to make the average play and he can also get to those balls that you don't think that you could get to. Dean Curley, scary moment on Sunday. Looks like he's going to be okay. Hopefully he's back in the lineup on Friday, but what a, what an opening week for him. You know, Ariel Antigua, a true freshman, was the leader in the clubhouse coming out of fall. He injured his thumb. He's still a couple weeks away. And then Dean Curley, man, he was he was on a tear, hurts his hamstrings. So, you know, he was probably going to be the opening today shortstop, hurts his hamstrings, got to sit out a little bit. Alex Perry was sidelined a little bit. So it was Simo at short, Brad Key Lowry at second. Dean Curley comes back in there, makes four starts, a couple of three-run home runs, looking really good, playing the middle infield, a couple double plays with Simo. What'd you like from Dean Curley? T to me, he just look, I mean, he's like six foot three, 200. He looks physically mature. Mm -hmm. And like, if I was an MLB scout, I'd just be drooling about, okay, put even more weight on him a little bit, maybe move him over to third base. Um, there's a lot to like about him. And, and there was a lot to like opening week when he got in the lineup. Yeah, I think I think uh, mature is a good word because you look at him at the plate, you look at him in the field, and you just don't think this guy is a freshman. He's huge, yeah. and he also plays like you know, he like he's been there for a while. Um, so watching him come out the gate so high, it was awesome. We actually had a discussion in the stands. What are they going to do when Antigua comes back? Because not only is is Curly hitting hitting well, he's playing a really good defense. So mm -hmm. um, again, it's one of those things, you know, competition fuels the fire. We'll see what what they end up doing. I, I'm glad I'm not the one who has to make the decision. Um, but again, hopefully he'll be back this weekend. Uh, sucks to see him get hit in the head. Um, just a little side note, it looked like he just sat there and watched it come in, which is odd from people that get hit in the head. Normally it's like a duck and cover, but his was like, oh, and then bang, you know, but um, that's neither here nor there. It's uh, it, it'll be good to have him back because he's just such an electric young freshman. Yeah, yeah, he looked good. It was 88, and he kind of like, I mean, he kind of like didn't cly. It was kind of like slow motion, like he, it, he got hit, would. and then he like he went to his butt, then he fell back. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of, I mean, it was anytime you get hit in the head, it's super scary, but it sounds like Very he's gonna true. be okay. Um, Cannon Peoples finally is getting the bag going. Oh, yeah. He came into the season on a tear preseason, best hitter by a mile for Tennessee. But he really struggled the first couple of weekends of the season. The, you know, against Albany, started to come out a little bit. Had had another you know double run scoring double the other night. Um, switch hitter again, one of the guys in the heart of the order. He's going to get you two to three starts every single week. Um, it's good to see that he's playing with some confidence because, again, it's kind of – I continue to hear it. I heard it again today. He's a mixture of Drew Gilberts and Connor Pavoloni back there. Yeah, no, it's a, a guy like that, you know, especially with him having success in the fall and spring, you expect him to come out hot. He's got a lot of pressure on him. Everyone knows he can play, so it's, it's just what you do. And then you see him struggling. And I'm not talking about, you know, like eventually getting hits. It was it was pretty bad there in the beginning. Um, so that's, that's all you're hoping for when he does – 
uh, get it together is, you know, that one swing that that builds some confidence. I think in this case, it was like an RBI double or something. He hits it off yeah. the wall. And you can see from then on, it started to snowball in the right direction. So he's, I think he's got his average up to like 230 or 250. Um, he's making really good contact with balls. He, he looks like he's seeing it well. So again, like we know that guy can hit. It's just a matter of when will he settle in um, and and do what he does. So I'm, I'm super happy to see him coming back, uh, looking better at the plate. Because again, he's just another weapon that the balls have, you know, up and down through that order. What do you want to see this weekend? Again, it's another series where you should have no issues at all. There's going to be a run rule for all three games. Um, AJ Russell's not going to pitch on Friday. We'll see about Xander if he's going to get the you know another start on Sunday. I'm sure he will, given kind of where the staff is right now. But what do you want to see this weekend out of Tennessee baseball? Something they can work on. You know, it, it's tough because it's hard. That very first series you got, you know, you see a lot of things that they can work on. You say, oh, it's the first series. What happens? But then, you know, you got two midweeks where they played well. You got a weekend series against Albany, which is, you know, it's all right. But, you know, it's not super telling. And then, of course, you got another midweek um, against High Point. That was fairly close. Um, I'd, I would like them to see like to see them just keep on doing what they're doing. The hardest thing to do in life and especially in baseball is be consistent. So you got guys that are hot right now hitting. Let's see them stay high. You got guys that are still playing the field. Yeah, let's see them play the field. Um, I, it's it's cool to see a team like this that is doing so well now. I just want to see them maintain it. You know, it's not like you're waiting for the the fall off the ledge, but there is a time where they're going to have to have a reset. You can't all be be so good always. So I'm I'm really just looking forward to to seeing the people do what they do, and then you know I I have such a partial partiality towards Burt because I know what he can do. I want to see him just banging around the yard. <laughs> I do want to ask you this out the door a little bit. This is completely sidebar, and I, I just thought on my phone and made me think of it. There was a – it was last weekend. There was a hitter for Grand Canyon. hit a, a, a game-tying or game-winning grand, something ah. late in the game. He flipped his bat. It was a grand slam. Flipped his bat. Mm-hmm. They eject him. And, and in the comments section, uh, you know, opposing fan base is always trashing each other. I think it was an Ole Miss fan saying, oh, you can blame 2022 Tennessee. It's all their fault. No one can have fun. When you see, and, and actually, one of the comments was you <laughs> touching home plate like this. Yeah. When you see stuff like that, and you know, think back to twenty twenty two, kind of, kind of, what's your response? I mean, you guys obviously were the best team in the country. Y'all were having a blast. Um, but do you think maybe all the attention on you guys that year makes it a little more strenuous for guys now, like bat flips? And I mean, you still see it all the time, but then sometimes you see, you know, an umpire kind of react like this or do you think it's more of that specific crew or that specific umpire because i think it's i think it's more of that specific umpire maybe so the first thing i'll say is it's hilarious to see that we are still swimming in the domes of some fans <laughs> like that's how you know that that team was something special when you got people two years later commenting about how we did this or whatever um so that's that but as far as bat flips go and umpires it does just depend on the day the umpire whatever um, I've always been a big believer in the NCAA probably thinks the exact opposite, but if you strike us out and you taunt us, great. That yeah. means that we can bat flip when we get one. Like it's, it's the game of baseball. It's this competitiveness that makes it fun. Like I, I remember one game, it was a midweek 
And there was a I, there was a guy who hits he like pimps a homer and he stares someone down. So I'm like chirping at him and I'm like, hey, don't do that, blah blah blah. Like we're all doing it. And so I hit a homer, I stare him down. He comes up to me the next thing. He's like, dude, I love that. Like blah blah blah. I was awesome. It's just one of those things that it, it gets you fired up to play the game when you got that back and forth. You know, best against best. You got me, whatever. Um, I just think these umpires they get so sensitive and they want to make it about themselves. Um, and so that's where you see people getting ejected. I think it was a walk-off Grand Slam or something. Like, it was yeah. something crazy. And he gets ejected. Like, who does that? Let the kids play. Um, I think bat flips are good for the game to an extent. Now, don't, like, be disre- disrespectful, you know, yeah. and I don't know, do something. There's, there's a line. But bat flips are awesome. If you strike someone out, you, you ring them up yourself, you know, like, all that I think is really good for the college baseball game. Um and I'd, I want to see more of it. It's like Neely a couple years ago. He struck somebody out for Florida, you know, and, and showed some emotion. He got ejected. So and he got ejected. Yeah. And then Caglione came up. Caglione, same and, thing. Yep. It's, you know, it's went, just, went back in the dugout like that. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's these, it's these, the, the umpires that for whatever reason want to interject themselves into the games. And it's, that's when you see the silly stuff. And I, I, I don't think that Tennessee had anything to do with the umpires. I think maybe Everyone saw how cool it was the bat flip, and now they're doing it. Um, but I, I don't think Tennessee is to blame for umpires being more stringent on bat flip. <laughs> and, and let's not act like you guys invented bat flips. You no. know, you guys were just the best team in the world. On the stage, we hit, we hit the ball far. When you know it's yeah. gone, you can do what you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome stuff, man. Yeah, I just want to throw that at you because I saw it, and I'm like, and you were specifically mentioned in one of the comments, and I thought it was hilarious. So I was like, mm-hmm. I wonder what Luke thinks about this. But yeah. uh, Tennessee baseball coming up this weekend. We'll uh, we'll watch it, and we'll talk about kind of where this team is. And before you know it, man, SEC plays right around the corner. It is. It is. It's exciting times. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully they keep trending up, and uh, we'll see what happens. All right, Luke, as always, man, appreciate you. All right, thanks. Uh, that is Luke Lipsius, co-host here, former Tennessee first baseman and uh, co-host of The Porch. Really, really appreciate him for uh, hanging out with us each and every week. And uh, we'll see what Tennessee does. Tennessee and Bowling Green coming up this weekend. Game one is going to be at 4.30 on Friday. Game two, 5 o'clock on Saturday. And game three, 1 o'clock on Sunday. SEC Network Plus has the call. UT Sports com. You can hear John Wilkerson with an audio call as well. As always, appreciate you guys for being here. Big thanks to Spivey King and Spivey LLP for uh, being a presenting sponsor of the show. If you got a problem, let them find a solution for you. That is TN Trial Lawyer, Spivey King and Spivey LLP. We'll talk again next week on the porch. Until then, stay safe, everybody. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. 
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.